Hi, everybody. Terry Blunt and for Jason Puckett. Uh, the rest of this week, uh, we won't be here tomorrow, but we'll be here Thursday and Friday. I'll be here along with Jackson Feltz. So remember, next week, Puckett starts his new show with Cliff Averill, former defensive end of the Seattle Seahawks. Great guy. You're going to really enjoy listening to him on the air. Uh, I've covered a lot of thousands of athletes in my career he's one of the best i've ever had the pleasure of covering just a super guy you're going to really enjoy that show that starts on monday july 9th so i want to bring up here i want people to remember this it'll be hard to do five years from now when this name i tell you becomes a major league all-star and is one of the best players in baseball i want you to remember this name so yesterday was the International Signing Day thing for Major League Baseball. The Mariners signed eight guys, but one definitely caught everyone's attention. And I'm not even sure I'm pronouncing his name right, but I'll try. I believe it is Noel V. Marte. He is a 16-year-old shortstop from the Dominican Republic. Baseball America ranks him as the number four international prospect in the world. Uh, he's uh, very similar, they say, to Carlos Correa of the Astros. If he turns out anything like that, oh, I who, by the yes. way, who was Carlos Correa was the very first player picked in the draft a few years ago when he was 18. Uh, but this kid is the real deal from everything I've heard. Now, it's 16 years old. He's just 16 years old. He is 6'1", 180 pounds. <laughs> so the, the only fear is he may, he may grow out of the shortstop position, which is okay, you know, maybe ends up playing somewhere else. But they say he is a potential 25 to 30 home run player in the big leagues. Holy cow. So he's just 16. It's not going to happen tomorrow. But this is a big signing. And this is something, by the way, apparently the the uh, sources say he signed a deal for $1.5 million. Not bad when you're 16 years old, huh? And this was all the money that they had as part of the Well, that's Shohei what I was going to say. Otani, yeah, right? so this is basically they're able to do this because they didn't get Otani. Right. So, which is great because this kid, from all indications and everything I've read about him, is definitely the real deal. And, uh, you know, it's hard to make predictions about a 16-year-old kid. But uh, if you're the number four prospect in the world internationally, <laughs> you're probably pretty good. So uh, I think this is a kid to watch in, as uh, going forward in the future, and it's good to see that they were able to use that money that they didn't spend on somebody who is projected to be, anyway, a really superb player. Uh, you know, I also want to talk a little bit about the Mariners here in that we hear this stuff about, so look, they've won 26 times this season in one-run games. That is an extraordinary total. As a matter of fact, the record for Major League Baseball was set by the San Francisco Giants in 1978 for 42 one-run victories. So they're on pace. The Mariners are on pace for 50. Now, you know, we'll see what happens in the second half of the season. But I know there's some people who say that, well, you know, if, you, if you're winning games by one run, that means you're just lucky. You're not really that good. And having covered baseball for many, many years – I can tell you, I just don't think that's true. I think if you have a team that finds a way to win the close games, that means you're a really good team. Now, they don't have anywhere near the run difference ratio that the Astros have. I think the Astros is like 148 or something like that, and the Mariners is, I don't know, 26-27. But, you know, that's great. So you're winning a lot of games 9-1 to or 8-2 to or whatever, but what do you do when the games are close? And in the playoffs, 
Most of those games are going to be close. You're going to have to win late in games. You're going to have to win the bullpen. You're going to have to win in extra innings, which, by the way, they're 8-0 and in extra innings. So to me, that's a sign that they're really good. And I'll, I'll tell you one example. There was, a, there was a, an Astro team I covered in the 90s that had, was just the opposite. They were losing all their one-run games. I think they lost 25, 28 one-run games, something like that. So people were saying, you know, they're really pretty good. They just lose these close games. Well, no, they weren't. They weren't very good. They, Whenever a game was close, they would lose. They would find a way to lose. They didn't have the guys, either, either we'd be in the bullpen or a pinch hitter or, or to play defense late in the game that could help them win those close games. The Mariners do all those things. The Mariners have the closer that can come in and Eddie Diaz that can close out a one-run game. They have guys that can get the big hits at big times, like Hanniger, for example, who has 13 game-winning hits this season. Another factor we didn't bring up earlier about him. They play really good defense. They can get the job done, whether it be Seeger making a play in the ninth, which he's done several times this year, Segura, uh, Gordon getting to balls in, in the gap. You know, there's so many plays that are made that don't show up in the box score that make a difference in games. He did that on Saturday night. He had a big play in the eighth inning on Saturday night where he ran down a ball that was behind second base and made the play. And no one talked about it, but it was you know it was a really big play. So they do that consistently. So to me, that's just not true. And you can you know tell us what you think on this. You know, send us a text at four nine four five one on the Heritage Stilling text line. But to me, if you have a team that wins close games, that says much more about who you are as a team than a team that just outscores people a lot. And that's great, but I don't agree with the fact that some people say if you win close games, you're lucky. No. No. You're good. And there's other intangibles to go along with that. Not only the stuff on the field, but what's the famous quote, 90% of the game is half mental. If you believe that you're going to win these close games, then that just instills a confidence that, that I mean, it even translates on the field stuff, but... If yeah. you if you believe that you're up three to two going into the ninth inning, you're I mean, just the, the confidence factor is is through the roof right now with this team. Well, and that brings us to another point, and that is this team, uh, how they gel and have the chemistry between yeah. them. And Denard Span, who came over from Tampa. Now look, I don't know this to be a fact, but Denard Span is from the Tampa area area. He finally got to go home and play. He has a new baby. He was at home and all that. So I'm guessing that it probably wasn't the happiest day of his life when he got traded across the country to move away from his hometown and his new baby to come play in Seattle. So I'm, I don't know that for a fact. That just would seem to be logical. But since he's been here, he has talked over and over again how, and he's played on 11 big league teams. He's talked over and over again how this team is different. He said there's no clicks on this team, everybody has fun. Nobody gets down if something bad happens. He says, I've never been around a team like this one that has this kind of camaraderie with all the players. And you notice it when you go in there. I notice it when I go in there. They have a pool table in there. Everybody's laughing and playing pool after games after they win. They also have, we got to take a picture of this one day, the world's largest beanbag chair. (laughs) You can't even call it a chair. I'm not kidding you. This thing must be uh, 20 feet wide 
If you spread it out, it would have to be 20 feet wide. And no one will sit in it because if you sit in it, you can't get up. You can't get out of it. So it's kind of like quicksand, and it's also brown. (laughs) But it's right next to the pool table, and they have fun with that. And they have the eagle up there, you know, because of everything that happened with Paxton in Minnesota. And now we've had the the eagle bobblehead, which, by the way, is one of the coolest bobbleheads ever. So, uh, to Kevin Martinez for for getting that done. That yeah. that that's really awesome. That thing is very cool. So they just have this chemistry, and I I've said this before. When I started covering uh, the Seahawks, their Super Bowl season before that started, after the 2012 season, come in that summer for spring training or for training camp and watch those guys. It didn't take me very long to be around that locker room and know these guys are special. These guys are different. They believe in each other. They have a lot of guys that just stood out from Richard Sherman to Russell Wilson to Earl Thomas to Cam Chancellor. They had all these guys that you could tell they're not just good players, but they're really special people as individuals, and they have each other's back. And I see the same kind of thing with this Mariners team. I just see a group of guys that gel together, and it's not something – you can ever predict. It's not something any general manager, as good as Jerry Depoto's been, and he's been fantastic, it, he couldn't go get guys and say, you know what, I think these guys are going to be work well together. <laughs> these guys are, this guy's going to like this guy yeah. and this guy. You know, and I've been around so many teams in my career where, boy, they just didn't like each other. And that's not always a deterrent for being able to win. There are some Yankee teams under Billy Martin that, boy, those guys really disliked each other, and they won anyway. So that's not necessarily a deterrent, but it's certainly easier if you have a bunch of guys that just seem to really like each other and really get along. And that's what this bunch is. And you see it when you walk into the clubhouse. You see it. You notice it. It's just something. It's that it factor that you can't ever predict. But it's a real thing. It's a real thing, and I believe they believe in each other, and I believe that's going to be the difference going down the stretch for them. It's really fun to see, and it's been great for all of us, obviously, to see what's going on with them this year. So we're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to switch our focus a little to the NBA. We're going to have on Michael Harmon of Fox Sports Radio in Los Angeles. He's going to talk to us about how everyone feels in Tinseltown about adding LeBron James. We'll be right back at Sports Radio 950 KJR. Broadcasting live here in downtown Seattle on Seattle's original diehard sports station. Sports Radio 950 KJR. Now back to Puckett and the Gas Man. Hi, everybody. We're back here at Sports Radio 950 KGR. Terry Blunt in for Jason Puckett this week. You know, the only bad thing about me subbing for Puckett Jackson is when I'm in here working with him a few times, he's always got food in here. You know, he's bringing in Jack's Barbecue, or he's bringing in Zeke's Pizza, (laughs) or, you know, he's bringing in uh, uh, steak from John Howie Steakhouse. We got nothing. We got nothing. Come on. Yeah, unfortunately, I don't have the food connections Puck does. He's usually the one that says, uh, yeah, let's, let's, <laughs> let's spend an hour of radio talking about a restaurant just so we can get food in here. He, uh, it's he's, great. He's smart well, like that. He's, uh, the guy's figured it out, I'm telling you. So, uh, yeah, <laughs> I, I'm never hungry when he's around, but today we'll just have to wait. So we're going to switch gears a little bit here, talk a little bit about all the happy people today in Los Angeles and this week with LeBron James is back. I bet there's people getting their Jer- Lakers jerseys out of store. 
storage and all kind of cool stuff and buying their tickets. And it's a completely new day in Los Angeles. So to talk about that, we're really happy we're uh, going to have on the Beacon Plumbing Hotline now from Fox Sports Radio in Los Angeles, Michael Harmon. Mike, thanks so much for joining us. Locked and loaded. Glad to be with you. Hope you guys are doing well, ready for a big holiday. Thanks to everybody that's that's out there listening wherever they are. Uh, what's going on, fellas? Well, nothing. Nothing in your town, right? So, uh, no, no, yeah, have you... Nothing big at all. Have you gotten over to uh, LeBron's uh, home there, his $26 million home in Brentwood? Has he invited you over yet, or...? No, no, I, I don't make those. I don't make the cut on lists like that. that I mean, he wouldn't be there right now, so I, I think I'd just be waving to a bunch of tour buses. <laughs> there you uh, go. I think the TMZ tour has that one on its on its list right That's now. It's the new stop, I'm sure. So I'm telling you, it's uh, it's been an interesting 72 hours. And you know, while you have the pockets of really diehard Laker fans, are like, oh, it's all done. It's one. There, there's a lot of skeptics still. You know, you get the best player on the planet, a guy who's still playing. Uh, at such a level that you're wondering if he's a cyborg or what the hell's going on. <laughs> but the fact is that everybody's the consensus. I, everybody is a bad word to use. The consensus is it's not enough, right? That you become yeah. relevant and you get into playoff bound Lakerville. But beyond that, you know, what else is coming with? There was such a disappointment over the Paul George news. Uh, I equated it to the Jerry Maguire scene where uh, he's taking Rod Tidwell around and introducing everybody, and then they go up and Bo Bridges said, hey, we signed with the other guy you know, an <laughs> yeah. hour ago, and it's Jay Moore smiling and saying, like, thank you, I love you, and all that stuff. Uh, same kind of thing. Paul George didn't get the love that, and attention that he, that he needed from the Lakers. Meanwhile, I guess. We actually, we, actually did a, we actually did a poll on that yesterday asking why did he stay in Oklahoma? He wanted to work on an oil well. He loves the musical Oklahoma. Uh, you know, he wants to be a cowboy in the future. Uh, he likes dust storms better than ocean breezes. Uh, I think the winner was he wants to be a cowboy in the future. So I got to dig that. That's a good. Uh, it's just good idol, uh, that was the, for me. That was my say what a moment of of the whole uh, the whole free agency period. At this point, I just didn't see that coming. So yeah, wow. It, yeah, you go through it, and I think, to me, the signing that still does the most help-slash-damage, if you're going to assess it that way, is Ariza leaving the Rockets, because yeah. you lose one of those glue guys, a good scorer off the bench, picked sure. up a lot of minutes, and we know that Chris Paul's not playing 82-plus the playoffs. So you're going to need another score, a guy to step up, and that was one of the things he offered uh, in there. And you know, Chris Paul getting forty million dollars a year, I, I gave him a standing ovation when I saw that on my Twitter feed. <laughs> yeah. I was in the middle of hanging out with my kids, and I'm like, "Hey guys, uh, watch, watch, Dad. This is a big moment right here. This guy got forty million dollars and can't finish a season, uh, <laughs> and they gave him a long term deal to do it." Yeah. Um, but with the LeBron James, it just felt. I, I think for many here, it's the okay. This is good and we're relevant and the best player. And then you start looking into LeBron James' motivations. Last night, Dan Beyer and I, uh, on our, our show on FSR, you know, we, we talked about it a bit as to you know what's the mentality, because you, you hear the slow play that both he and Magic Johnson evidently agreed on on Saturday, that it's not a win-now-or-bust situation. And I'm raising my hand going, year 15 in the league. Now, you've been healthy. And maybe you can silence the noise of legacy and whatever else. But this is a guy that when J.R. Smith screwed up after game one, allegedly punched a wall, broke his hand, and all this other nonsense. If that story is true and the soft cast was legitimate, if that all happened, you're telling me a month later, 
winning and dominating and all that doesn't matter? Because if it does, why is he not in either Philadelphia, forces his way into some ridiculous trade to Boston, or just staying in Cleveland and forcing people to come there? Because why would you go to the West where you have nothing but the ridiculously hard road and so many teams to leap over. Now, it's a muddled mess after Golden State, and I think Houston slumps off a little bit, again, with the, the loss of Ariza. But that you're looking at jumping that many teams with the cast that's around you when you bring in Lance Stevenson, Rondo. Really, Rondo? You're bringing in these guys <laughs> yeah. that are old, long in the tooth, and all guys that he's fought with. So I guess he's just keeping his enemies close. But it's, <laughs> yeah. an, it's an aged group. JaVale McGee, good defense, good energy for spurts. Like, the only other scorer you have is Kyle Kuzma. That's it. you got right. a two-man team right now. We're talking to Michael Harmon of Fox Sports Radio in Los Angeles. By the way, you can hear his show here on KJR at 8 p.m. on weeknights. Uh, listen, Michael, so what's the status at this point of Kawhi Leonard? What, obviously, that's what everyone wants to know. Do they still have a shot of getting him? Is that the guy we're, all, we're talking about here? Is that the guy they need to bring in that changes how people feel about it? Yeah, I think that's the thing that would get everybody in. I mean, the car flags are back out of storage, so they're definitely out of mothballs. I've seen some crazy jerseys. If you want me to go buy you a bunch of legends of the past, I can go creep <laughs> over to the local Salvation those. Army. I'm not kidding. I saw jerseys of Dwight Howard, uh, D'Angelo wow. Russell. Um, well, Dwight Howard allegedly is trying to raise his hand saying, hey, I want to go back to L.A. As as <laughs> I'm sure. Buy out with Brooklyn done, which would be an interesting concept because the guy actually put up ridiculous numbers last year. Yeah. But as seen as nothing more than the Shaq part of his career where he's going to be the big leprechaun, the Jabberwockies or whatever the hell else <laughs> you know he did during the back end. But, you know, they're looking for that domino to fall, you know, with Kawhi Leonard, the thing is he doesn't talk. So you have no idea like he's not on social media, you know, plugging things like yeah. Joel Embiid and all these other guys. So the reports that come out about how disgruntled he is I don't know where reality and fiction is in all of that. Likewise, with the Spurs, knowing that this is done and he's leaving anyway, you know, whether that's a real story, because they've been pretty good, right? They're the basketball equivalent of the Patriots when it comes to any sure. of that kind of stuff getting out until Parker and Ginobili started talking about, hey, I've been hurt worse. So, yes, I understand there's probably some acrimony there, but there's still $219 million. Right, if Giannis and Tenacupo come out and say, "Hey, I'm a mid-level, mid-city guy," after being, you know, kind of called out by Skip Bayless giving Embiid uh, the nod as the best Eastern Conference player, he said, "Look, I'm not jumping to LA. I'm a mid-level, mid-city, you know, just simple guy." From all reports, that's what Kawhi Leonard is the same. So I, I have to wonder if, on some level, there isn't still the, you know, what I'll, I'll stay in this different situation where things have been really good for me and that calmer heads don't prevail. But certainly here, the slow play hasn't stopped anybody from going out and buying jerseys, hasn't stopped anybody else from, from going out and buying tickets. Opening night against an opponent to be named later, get in is $525. <laughs> wow. That is something you know, else. Hey, the face value, 40 Holy so cow. So that tells you where we're at in terms of the hype to, to get things started. Well, that says a lot. Well, let me talk a little bit about Rondo coming in because I think what people immediately think is, what does this mean for Lonzo Ball? You know, there's all kind of rumors that, yeah, is is LeBron really going to be able to get along with that Ball family mess and LeVar Ball and all that stuff? So is this just to give some competition to Lonzo Ball? I mean, where do you see that situation? Well, I think to some degree it's a, let, let me mentor you. 
you've got a guy who's had his own issues along the way. What's interesting is during the time in Chicago, you know, he fought with the guys that were LeBron's friends, right, right. Dwayne Wade and, and what have you. So that that's kind of an interesting dynamic uh, that we touched on a little bit last night. But when, when you look at it overall, you've got a guy who has been in big moments, and that's that's the one consistent thing of all the, the elder statesmen that were brought in on one-year deal. They're all guys that can help bring the young guys along uh, and, in theory, uh, impart some of that knowledge. With Lonzo Ball, uh, Rondo's not going to be able to teach him how to shoot, shoot free throws, or put duct tape over his dad's mouth. So those are three <laughs> things that are still, still big to be determined. Right? I mean, because Lonzo, if you watched, uh, I don't know how much you got to really see him live, in the 50 games or thereabouts that he played, there were flashes of a guy that could be a really good NBA point guard in terms of distribution. But the shot is awful. Mm-hmm. The free throw percentage, woeful. Some of the decision-making late. Defensively, he's good for about a half, and then he runs out of gas. Although now he's all yoked up like Mike Bibby, so I don't know. Maybe he's worked on that as well. But you have the knee injury that sat him down for 30, required the the plate-rich plasma injection. Now you're from some camp. There's the report of the meniscus tear, which mm. was curiously timed right as free agency starting. Of that course. Oh, hey. So if, how much is that is, well, we knew we were going to try to get rid of him somewhere, uh, but now he's untouchable, at least for a while, while he's injured. So uh, they'll have to figure out how to coexist. I think it makes for a good reality show short-term. I mean, just look at the cast of characters that you have here. That's almost as good as the Warriors bringing in Boogie Cousins to that lot. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like they like they needed some more help. Gee whiz. Well, but, yeah. you, but you also have a guy that's got some problems. Yep. Right in terms right. of dealing with teammates, in terms of dealing with the media. Remember how he wanted to get a bunch of media guys fired just for asking him legitimate questions when he was in Sacramento? <laughs> yeah. So if this guy, you know, he's saying, hey, I want to be ready for the beginning of the season, but more likely December or January coming off the Achilles, the fact is that now you got a, a guy in the locker room that might push the buttons of Draymond the wrong way. Like, if it all breaks perfectly, sure, he's ready for the final three months of the season. These guys don't have to log 40 minutes a night in the playoffs and get stretched like they did. So that that's great, and you have a twenty-five, twelve guy uh, on the books at five point three million dollars. If it goes the other way, and the bad Demarcus Cousins shows up, well, now we got popcorn. In the interim, I think what it does is it keeps the the Warriors locker room will never be bored like they were a year ago. Oh, I don't think there's any doubt about that. So let me talk to you a little bit about in terms of the Lakers. Should people? Just be patient and realize this isn't just a one-year plan here. Like, there's a lot of really talented free agents coming out next year. You know, guys like Anthony Davis and people like that. Is it something that they just, hey, let's see where we're at after this year, and then, you know, we're going to add even more next year. Is there? But I know it's hard to be patient, uh, especially in Los Angeles, if people want to see this team be good again soon. So is should people just realize that there's a, you know, there's more than just a one-year plan here? Well, that's the thing that, again, just, just doesn't, doesn't sit right with me of a guy that's this far in his career and has been all championship, 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 that suddenly that turns on a dime. As far as I know, his family dynamics haven't changed. As far as I know, his seeing and hearing everything that's put out in the media and on social media about him, that hasn't changed. So to suddenly come here and in the statement and all the reports coming out of that meeting with Magic Johnson at his house on Saturday, a brilliant slow play by him, by the way, because he sounded lost and confused all during the middle of last week. And then Magic actually went and did a trading card show on Saturday, showing the perfect picture of comms, <laughs> st- signing autographs right. and posing for photos with people uh, at, a, at about a 300 bucks 
to pop for the combo uh, package. And if you wanted Kareem in there, then uh, break the bank. But the <laughs> the fact that 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 all went down, and, and they're trying to say, hey, it's a multi-year process. Just it, it hits the ear wrong for me. For Laker fans, they they want glory now. Right? Sure. They don't want to leave anything to chance, especially like the Paul George thing. I think is very real for a lot of people in terms of they didn't trade for him a year ago with the idea that he was just going to walk through that door. And that was the overall consensus that whatever else happened in free agency, Paul George, because of his love of L.A., was going to be a Laker. And since that didn't happen, it leaves people feeling a little bit skeptical of what the end game here is in terms of being able to win and being able to go and host an O'Brien trophy uh, once again. So it's, it's one of those, I think people will buy it because it's magic and because it's LeBron, and now you've got Kobe Bryant sounding more and more like magic, you know, and, and the right. more like management. Like he did an interview with Doug Gottlieb and Jason Smith on the Dan Patrick Show. Uh, where he sounded like a guy that was in the front office and, and saying all the right things about family and trusting, not the process, but being patient and knowing that family would take care of family and going through all the history of the great stars and everything else. It sounded like a pretty good spin job. I, I, don't, I think Laker fans are still a little uneasy of it all, but they're still going to go out and buy a 23 jersey as soon as they're in. Of course. I saw yesterday, Fanatics said their sales went up 600% in one day, and that it was a top 10 day all time for them to sell merchandise, and it was all LeBron James. So that that says a lot. So, Michael, we really appreciate you coming on. Great insight out about what's going on down there with the Lakers and with LeBron. You can listen to him, by the way. You can listen to Michael Harmon here on KJR at 8 p.m., his show from Fox Sports Radio there in Los Angeles. Mike, thanks so much for being on the show. I appreciate you having me, and happy holiday to you and all those listening. Uh, Raise one for me. We'll see you later. We will. Thanks so much. So, by the way, you guys are still sending in some great comments here in our Heritage Distilling text line at 49451 about who will be next and what or what will be next to go to the Golden State Warriors. Uh, This is really fun. It's going to be a hard choice for for us. We've even got a one Niner Nate rip here. One of those on here. Yeah, so from the 360, Warriors sign Niner Nate to maintain players' shoes. (laughs) Wow, he's not going to like that. Niner Nate is not going to like that at all. So uh, then we have one here from Steven in the 425. To restore competitive balance in the NBA, the Warriors have signed the other 29 NBA franchises. Now everyone wins. Yeah, it's like everybody getting a trophy in Little League. So, Orange slices and oh, so keep them coming in, guys. There's going to be a really tough choice. Somebody is going to win a twenty-five dollar certificate to Georgetown Brewery. By the way, that will get you three growlers, as I learned from Jackson uh, earlier today. So this is a great deal. First time I've had a chance to actually give away something on one of these shows. I love it. So uh, I hope that continues where I can just give you guys some kind of gift. But there is some really tough choices. We're going to have a hard time. We have to have a vote here on what we end up picking for the best choice because you guys have really come up with some great stuff. Uh, by the way, uh, continue to vote uh, on my text poll about what do they do with Robbie Cano when he gets back. Do they play him at second base? Do they have him play some at first base? Do they have him play some at designated hitter? Or do they sit him on the bench? So uh, there's not very many of you. At this point, 11% who want him back at second base over D. Gordon. 
Uh, 47% say he should split time at first base. Uh, 31% say he should split time at DH. And 11% say he should just sit on the bench. Uh, What I think this all means to me is the vast majority of people, almost 80%, think he should split time at first base and split time at DH, do both. Yes, we'll, we'll split, how I take it, as as 78% say he should just split time, period. He shouldn't be a full-time anything. Right, but I mean, there'll be days when he can DH and then be days when he can be a uh, left-handed hitter at first saying. base. Okay. So he'd do both uh, on different times of different days. So I think that, and I think that's likely what's going to happen. I just don't think there's any chance that he goes back to second base at this point as well as Gordon's playing and the fact that he can't play in the playoffs. It just Cano wouldn't can't play in the playoffs. Yeah, it just wouldn't make sense to have Robinson Cano, one of the star hitters of this team and and have him not play 100% of the days. Whether whether it is first base DH whatever, finding a spot for him on the field every single day is important. Well, and then you have the the thought also that what does it say to all these guys who are 31 and 14 without Robbie Cano? Yeah. 31 and 14, that you bring when the first day he can come back, which I think is August 14th or August 15th, the first day that he can come back, you just plug him back in at second base and make D. Gordon move. I think that sends a really bad message. You're right. Uh, these guys are playing extremely well. They've pulled together and rallied together. By the way, when I can remember, and I was one of them, all of us were saying when Robbie Cano got his suspension, oh boy, you know, if they can just, if they could just play 500 till he gets back, you know, they've got a chance. Well, they've done a whole lot better than that. So now you're in the situation where, okay, thanks guys, but we're going to plug him back in here every day and move D back to a place that he's just still learning the position. And, and then switch it back for the playoffs. And then switch it back to the playoffs. That makes zero sense. And I just think from an attitude standpoint, and we just I just talked about this, how the camaraderie of this team, the chemistry they have, how they all get along so well together, that would be a huge sign, a, a terrible thing to say to the team when he gets back. And look, you want him to play. I get it. Robinson Cano is a, you know, a possible Hall of Famer, a great player and a great hitter, and he's going to be fresh. You know, it's the, you have to weigh it. Okay, everybody say, okay, he's going to have fresh legs, and he's going to be fresh with these other guys. Are going to be getting tired, so he can sub for them and all that. I get that, but he's also going to be rusty. You know, you you haven't played in a long time. You don't just go back out there and hit guys who were throwing ninety seven to ninety eight mile an hour fastballs when you haven't seen one in two months. That's tough. That's hard to do. So, and I know he's he goes in in the cage and hits and all that are the rules where he can show up. I think when it's not regular hours, the clubhouse. I don't know exactly what the rules are there. I know he's been working out. I get that, but that's not the same. That's totally not the same. So, what do you do? I mean, does he does he actually go on a rehab to Tacoma and then you bring him back, or you just bring him back in there and think he's going to be fine? I, I don't know. I don't know. But I know to me, the worst thing you can do is the first thing he shows up. Okay, you're back at second base. You're back hitting third. D's back in center field. Here we go. After you have had this phenomenal run without him and everyone's pulled together. So don't get me wrong. I'm not dissing on Cano. I'm glad he's going to be back, and I think he can help them, and I think he will help them. But I don't think it's right to cause somebody else to move full-time just because he comes back. I, I don't see them doing that. So it'll be interesting to see how they handle it. It's not an easy decision, no question about it. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to catch you up on all the World Cup news. And along with that, we're going to talk about the fact that the coach of Mexico is no fan of Neymar. 
We'll be right back on Sports Radio 950 KJR. .gov. Ladies and gentlemen, coming to you live on Seattle's original diehard sports station, Seattle Sports Radio 950 KJR. Now back to Puckett and the Gas Man. Nice music to come back to there. Terry Blunt here with you with Jackson Feltz. We've got one segment left in this hour. Before we go to the noon hour, we're going to talk some World Cup. And by the way, there is some controversy. There is some controversy. Neymar, the world's greatest actor, uh, the Mexican coach is no fan of him. After their loss yesterday, Mexican coach Juan Carlos Osorio had this to say. I think it's a real shame for football, especially for the kids. This is a man's game, not a charade. We spent way too much time on one person. He was not happy. Not happy. And there's a lot of people not happy with Mr. Neymar. Look, the guy is a great, great player. But some of these things he's done in the World Cup are just over-the-top ridiculous. Yeah, now you're going to have a situation for him where it's like, uh, what is it, the cry wolf, where the next time he's going to go down, he's it, it maybe the next time he goes down is an actual injury. He's actually hurt. But because of how he set this whole thing up for everybody, including the refs, to know that he's simulating injuries, it, it's not. It's only going to help. You know, hurt you long term. Well, I'm not are. saying this would happen, but couldn't you actually kind of take a shot at him now? Yes, and get a freebie. Yes, you absolutely could. And then yeah. the ref, the ref. I mean, they might they might go go to the video assistant, you know, replay referee, and and see what actually happened. But still, I mean, you can you can take a shot at him, and if he's just going to flail on the ground like a dying fish out of water, you know, <laughs> for for a couple minutes, then you know, sure, I mean, that rollover yesterday was just beyond belief. How I mean, how if you are that injured, are you able to flop around <laughs> eight times? It's just dumb. Yeah, it is wild. So right now, uh, Colombia and England are no score. Nil, nil, all. What are we? We're in, we're in stoppage time. We in the first are. Half. Yes, yes. Stoppage time in the first half. No score in that one. Uh, earlier today, Sweden beat Switzerland one nil. So here are the teams that are in: Russia and Croatia, who will face each other. Belgium and Brazil will play each other. And Uruguay and France will play each other. And then Sweden will play the winner of the game that's going on right now between Colombia and England. Wow, Jackson. All right, I'm going to make you. I'm going to do it too. I'm going to make you pick a winner of the of the Elite Eight, okay. and then we'll repick later, I All guess, right, if fair, we're wrong. But who who you got? So right now, on each of the sides of the bracket, there's a clear. I think on that right side, there's a clear winner of of whoever wins this game right here between between Colombia and England. James Rodriguez, one of the Colombia stars, is not playing, which is very odd. So I would probably go with England making it through. And then you look at the route that they have to face. Sweden's good, but I th- I think that England can beat them. And then the top side of that bracket just they don't impress me. Croatia, Russia, neither of them, you know, tell me that that they can make it through. So yeah. I'll take England right now to come out of the right side of the bracket. The left side is incredibly fun. Because Uruguay-France should be a great game. Uruguay has been a bit of a surprise, but they're a strong club and, and they're showing it. Uh, and then the the bottom side, Belgium-Brazil, might be the game of, of the tournament when, when it's all said and done. That's going to be so extremely fun to watch. Right now, gun to my head, I will go 
Belgium versus England in the final, and I'll say Belgium wins it all. But it, it's not, it's not very, uh, it's not with much confidence that I say that Brazil could absolutely run through because I think that they finally showed yesterday against Mexico that that is a a, a team that can go win a World Cup. Okay, you stole my thunder there with much more detail than I would have been able to say it. (laughs) (laughs) I do think the Belgium-Brazil game is the big one. I think Belgium... You know, really was in trouble yesterday, down two to nothing in the second half to Japan, came back and won at three two, the last goal coming in stoppage time. Uh, I've, over the years, you know, when teams kind of get through a game that they probably should have lost, that tends to get their attention and they play much better right. and they go on. So that's kind of why I think Belgium might be the team to beat here, just because they got their one mulligan kind of thing. And, uh, but that's, I guess that has to be the, the matchup. Uh, yeah. uh, at this point, and Belgium is—I mean, frankly—both those teams are loaded with with people who can who can score from from Mullian to Neymar on Brazil, and then De Bruyne and Hazard and Lukaku on on Belgium. Both of those that that could be like a three-three match going into the 115th minute of this. Now, wouldn't that be fun? Week. Yeah, that could be an amazing game to watch. So talk about that. By the way, I I don't know exactly what the rule is on this. So you get in, you get if you're tied. And you go through stoppage time in the second half, then what's the next step there? Yeah, so let's just say let's just say that this game right here stays zero zero between Colombia and England. If it's zero zero after ninety plus stoppage, then you would go to two fifteen minute halves, okay. uh, which is extra time. There's added time and there's extra time, so that it would be extra time of thirty minutes. Got it. And if it's still zero zero after an additional thirty, so one hundred and twenty total, you'd then go to penalty, penalty kicks, kicks. Okay. which is how many best of five. I can't I can't imagine on a giant field in soccer running for 90 plus minutes which is really more like well over 100 minutes and then going to 30 more minutes Oh my gosh, it tells you what kind of shape these guys are in. So they added an additional rule. I, I believe this is the first year they're doing it where maybe they had it last year as well. No, it was, it was, it was last year where they, last four years ago when they started it, which is where if you get into extra time, you're given an extra sub. So there's three oh, subs okay. total that you can make in the 90 minutes. And then you have one additional one in that next 30 minutes that you can make. Right. Which is nice for that one player who comes Yeah, that off, one lucky but... guy who's, who's having a heart attack. <laughs> the rest of them yeah. are also still in there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that's uh, that that's just incredible. These guys are really in incredible shape to be able to do that. I was watching that so that game we had last week that was fun, our kicking for cancer game, and oh. we were that was a tiny little field <laughs> and you guys were really blowing wind at the end of the first half of that game. So I could imagine what it must be like on a real field with guys running three times as fast and hitting each other. Right. So it's incredible. So look, uh let's talk some Sounders here. Yes. You get Sounders weekly tonight from seven to eight. Our own Jackson Fels will be on that show, of course. Talk about some of the things that you're looking forward to talking about tonight on the show. Yeah, so coming up here tonight on the show, we got Matt Pence. Uh, he's the sounder writer for The Athletic. He used to write for the Seattle Times. Uh, then he that situation happened, and it is what it is right now. Uh, but Matt Pence now writes for The Athletic, uh, and he is... Barna, the best sounder soccer writer, I, I think one of the best in this country, uh, certainly the best uh, sounders writer. He's just fantastic. He's written a couple of his articles these last couple weeks that are focused on him sitting down for a beer at a bar uh, in uh, Madison Park with, oh, how Brian, cool is with, that? with Brian Schmetzer. <laughs> so he and Schmetzer sat down and, and had a really cool chat that I want to talk to Matt about, as well as just kind of the big picture questions of this team right now is is... 
are they too far below the red line that even the addition of Rui Diaz, the striker from Peru that they just uh, transferred on uh, to the club last Friday, is it enough? That, are they already too far down? So we're going to have some big picture questions there to talk about his latest great articles. Uh, so Matt Pence from The Athletic, and then as always on Sounders Weekly, Garth Lagerway, Sounders General Manager and President of Soccer. He will join me for their, uh, an interview as well. The uh, big topic is Rui Diaz and the fact that this is the, the exact player that this team needed. And is it too late for the club? And if it isn't too late, then, then exactly what kind of a player are you getting in Rui Diaz, not only for this year, but as we've now learned, signed through 2022. Yeah. You're going to have him for this and three more seasons, which is an outstanding perspective to kind of look forward and say, great, you got him and you got Nico Ladero, a talented goal scorer and a talented distributor, locked up. So it's just how do you now fill in the gaps and where are those gaps mm-hmm. to get this team back to the MLS Cup? The future looks good no matter what happens the rest of the way this season. So don't miss it. It's always a great show. Sounders Weekly tonight from 7 to 8 right here on 950 KJR. When we come back, we're going to have our lunch with listeners. Keep your texts coming in about what or who will be next for the Warriors. You can win a $25 gift certificate to Georgetown Brewery. That'll buy you a lot of beer, folks. And we're going to talk about our poll question of what you want to avoid on 4th of July. One more hour to go today for me on Sports Radio 950 KJR.